Hello again, everybody. It's Mike Petralia, episode 241 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and at Patriots CLNS. And give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. The one and only Mike Reese of ESPN and ESPN Boston joins me on this podcast and uh mike it's wonderful to have you back and certainly we have a few things to talk about how you been i've been great Trags. Uh, episode 241 i was sort of hoping for 199 that's a better number uh, in new england football you know 199 certainly but, around uh, this I'll time take 241 tracks i'll take it yeah that would be well you're certainly not um 239 which i think if i'm got the numbers right is that uh mr irrelevant it depends. On, I think it depends on the year. Yeah, um, because of the, um, the compensatory draft selections. Yeah, right. two fifty three, maybe two fifty three, two in that range, two fifty five, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you yeah. are certainly not Mister Irrelevant in our eyes, Mikey. Um, first of all, another week, another round of Bill Belichick and Rob Gronkowski drama. Uh, this one, courtesy a report from the Boston Herald and Kieran Garigian on uh, Monday indicating the Patriots coach called out uh, and chided Gronk early uh, this past 2017 season in front of his teammates for using Alex Guerrero as his trainer and following closely uh, the TB12 method. You know, Mike, I, I think there's a part of all of us that are get, that is getting really tired of the story, but I understand it. I think all of our editors, you know, understand the want and the desire of people to know as much as possible. Uh, I know Tom Curran wrote a column, I wrote a column, and you wrote a terrific column, and I loved your take um, reflecting on the day Bill Belichick admitted I'm not an easy guy to play for. I was in Philadelphia, and I remember that day. He... Bill was not feeling well that game, uh, and it was a game, as, as you mentioned, they came from behind to win. They were facing such adversity, um, and I just kind of want to get your perception or your perspective on, on why that particular day came to mind. Well, so, you know, this whole offseason tracks, it seems like, you know, a big topic has been the relations between Bill Belichick and a couple of his star players. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and you know my feeling is, look, there's there's very possibly some strain there, and I always look at it and say, well, but let's put that strain in context of like, is it ever like, you know, is there ever really not strain, and and is this just even more, you know, is this just at a higher level and. To me, Bill's not an easy coach to play for, and he's the first one to say it, so I would expect there to be some level of strain. The question to me would be, is this, is this just different than what it normally would be? I, I honestly don't know the answer to that, and I think both of us have great respect for Karen Garigian at the oh, Herald. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, we, we know she doesn't just go out and report things that, that you know, that, that aren't true, um, I think the one thought I would have as we talk about just this specific thing is, like, I do think that Bill Belichick um, is known for, like, doing this, you know? So All I the don't, time. I, I think that's sort of important context, and, I, and when I say that, I want to make sure 
I say it with all respect, and this is not about um, shooting down any reporter or anything like that. It's just, look, Treggs, it's, it's a hard guy to play for. It's, it's pretty tough on the guys, and I think it's to bring out the best in them, and he often does bring out the best in the players. Well, you know, Mike, what I wrote is I don't doubt the veracity of Karen's report whatsoever. I made that really clear in my column on Monday. It's not the facts that, um, you know, I would dispute in the very least about Karen's reporting. I mean, she's an outstanding reporter, um, and, and that's not the point. The, my point, my basic, um, you know, underlying theme in interpreting that. Like you said, you have to place the proper context, but what specifically I would have concern with is we don't know the when, why, and how, and all of that, Mike, as you know, matters inside that locker room, right? Well, that's a good point, and and this is, again, not to, like, you know, try to dismiss the report, but I will say that there are some people that, that don't have a recollection of that happening. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, you know? But the idea that you know something like like something like that happened, you know, you, that would probably be something that is a memorable type thing, you know, and and so I will say that that a couple people that I've reached out to weren't weren't a hundred percent sure. Like, hey, it, it's, they said it's absolutely possible it happened, but in in like the full team setting, it wasn't something that they that they remembered. Well, as you pointed out, Mike, uh, Belichick has always embraced the player that embraces adversity, right? And I mean, and I tried to make this point as well. Is there one player that Belichick respects more in terms of his work ethic than Rob Gronkowski? Uh, I mean, I know obviously he respects Tom, you know, quite a bit, and he's way up the ladder. But I don't think he has ever spoken as highly about somebody who works at his craft as as Gronk does. I mean, Gronk works his tail off. Maybe Julian Edelman's up there. Uh, certainly there have been others uh, in, in terms of gaining Belichick's respect in terms of their work ethic. But Gronk's work ethic has been, I think, second to none. And, you know, Belichick, because a guy like that works so hard, I would think there's an underlying respect and always has been there. Well, there there is. I, I would say this though, Trags, and and when when I think back to um, the uh, off season and training camp, and I remember asking Bill Belichick about Gronkowski and sort of this new approach, and I remember thinking like his his answers were not um, not very. Um, Verbose, not that he's any verbose all the time, but it, it, let's put it this way: it was a topic he wasn't necessarily, um, you know, looking to engage. And and that, thinking back at the time, I didn't quite put it together. But knowing what we know a little bit now, with some of the dynamics that went down this year, um, you know, there was probably some push and pull there as he was trying to manage a, a, a unique situation where you have your strength and conditioning staff that really is, that's your group, that's, that's the one that you're going to rely on, but you also have, you know, Alex Guerrero, who's working with Tom Brady, working with Rob Gronkowski, working with Julian Edelman and other players, and you want to give the players the freedom to do that if they think it works for them, and he does, but you also need to make sure, like, that 
the program you set up and the people you've hired on your own strength and conditioning staff have your 100% support. And so he was probably balancing that, if I put myself in Belichick's shoes at the time. And so there is a little bit of a dynamic here. I think we'd be naive to look at that and say, you know, there isn't a little bit of something like that that, that, that isn't an issue at play here. Any reason to think in your mind, Mike, the two of them aren't together uh, on the Patriots in 2018? Well, I, I always, I've been saying this, Trags, that I really believe that at the end of July, when we get to that hill in training camp and we're sitting there, I, I yep. do believe that Bill Belichick will be twirling the whistle, Tom Brady will be throwing the football, and Rob Gronkowski will be catching it. Now, until it happens, I suppose that there's always going to be some level of doubt. And look, let's also call it like it is. I mean, with all this stuff swirling around, uh, all it would take is, is really one of them to, to step up and say, look, there's no issue here. We're back. We're in. And no one has done that. So it, it has allowed it to swirl a little bit. So, um, you know, that, those are some, some general thoughts on it. But I, I would say that there's a – I feel like that's what it's going to be, that they'll all be back. Now, whether they'll be back beyond this year, I, I also think it's fair to look at it and say when Rob Gronkowski says after the Super Bowl he has to weigh his future, he plans on doing that, you know, like we're in a year-to-year situation now with him. I mean, he said it, right? And and I think with Tom, too, you look at that now and say, you know, we, well, you hope for five, and, and he had long said to play to his mid-40s, maybe that's shifted a little bit. And we don't know if it's shifted, but I think to just ignore, you know, some of the thoughts that he shared in the Tom versus Time docuseries probably wouldn't be wise. I mean, that that, that was that was good stuff. And it was real, and you see his kids growing, and him talking about how you can't get that time back. I mean, to me, that was a big part of the theme of the thing. It wasn't just Tom versus time in terms of him trying to, out, you know, outrace father time. It was also how you know he can't get the time back that it, you know as his kids get older, and how he's balancing the full-fledged commitment to be a top football player and also you know a top dad. So I think all those things are in play here. I think, if anything, Mike, uh, this has just underlined how the NFL for Belichick, Brady, and Gronkowski right now is a year-to-year proposition. And when they begin the season, I think they'll be all in. But uh, until said time, I think certainly with regard to the players, you know, there's always going to be that consideration is uh, of whether or not Am I all in? Am I ready to commit myself to another eight to nine to ten months of rigor that the NFL demands? That's what I really think it comes down to. Speaking with Mike Reese, ESPN Boston's Outstanding Patriots columnist, we're going to be joining uh, up with him once again in just a few moments. Right now, I want to tell you about a new wellness brand for men, it's called Hims. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, that's when it's too late. It's easier to keep your hair, guys, that you have rather than to replace the hair that you've lost. Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? Here's the solution for Hims.com. It's a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness 
for men. Thanks to science, baldness now can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today. Right now, while supplies last, see the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4hims.com/trags. That's f o r h i m s.com/t r a g s. That's 4hims.com/trags. Speaking with Mike Reese of ESPN Boston. Okay, we've talked enough, I think, Mike, about Rob Gronkowski, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. I want to move on to the kind of the mechanics of what's coming up uh, April 26th through the 28th down in Dallas, Texas, the draft. And the Patriots, I thought you had a terrific uh, column and article on this this week, talking about the success that the Patriots have had in years past when they have had two first-round picks. As it turns out, now the Patriots, of course, thanks to the Brandon Cooks trade with the Rams, they have the number 23 and number 31 overall picks, and they also have two second-round picks, 43 and 63. You mentioned the first time this happened in 2003. It was particularly notable as it was a result of having traded quarterback Drew Bledsoe to the Buffalo Buffalo Bills. I forgot about that, Mike. That was a fun one, Trags. I mean, that one, not only did they trade him, they traded him right in the division, you know, to the Buffalo Bills. Think about that. That would have been the equivalent of the Patriots trading Jimmy Garoppolo to, like, the, the Bills. Right? I don't think I it would mean, happen today. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe the maybe Bill Bill would say no. Nothing would if if it made sure. sense for the team, I'd do it. But I think the dynamic today is a little bit different. Yeah. Like, good point. And so they they ended up trading him, getting a first round pick, you know, in um, two thousand and three uh, for him. They end up using one of their first rounders and then trading the other one into the next year because Baltimore wanted to come up and take a quarterback, Kyle Bowler, didn't work out for them, but it was a good example of how the Patriots were able to take an asset, you know, get an additional pick, and then push that asset into the next year. And then that went into 2004, and they ended up getting Vince Wilfork out of it uh, with a strong first-round pick uh, from Baltimore at that time. You know, and um, you make the the point that uh, the – Patriots and Bill have always done uh, a good job of kind of using their position uh, in the first round, you know, getting that two for one to work uh, back in 2003. I think fans, Mike, want to see the sexy this time around, and they want to see a quarterback taken in the first round. And I I know you said, um, I think it was on the Mike Mayock uh, conference call about a month, month and a half ago, you know, maybe it uh, th- that's not something you would expect them to do uh, right off the bat. But has your perspective in that re- regard changed a little bit that maybe the Patriots, because they're making some moves leading up to this draft, maybe they will be tempted uh, to take a QB in the first round? Well, so the way, the way I look at it is they, you're going to have probably the top four quarterbacks go either in the top four picks or the top five picks in the draft. So really, if the Patriots are picking a quarterback in the first round, it's going to be the fifth or the sixth or even the seventh quarterback in the round. I'm just not sure it makes sense for them, Trags, you know, based on who those players are. 
uh, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, and I, I'm not sure who you'd put as the seventh, you know, that would warrant a first-round value. So unless, the way I look at it, unless they're moving up into the top five, uh, which would mean mortgaging both first-round picks and probably next year's first-round pick, which seems just so unlike them, no, you know, right. to do that. I just, I, I guess I don't see it happening. Now, maybe at the end of the first round, if you're thinking about there's a guy that you'd consider taking in the second and you want to make sure you don't lose him with that, that, that top second-round pick at 43, maybe you do it. I'm just not sure that that that's going to work out that way based on the players available and the players that are projected uh the when those players are projected to come off the board so something that fans i think mike and you know this have to keep in mind when they consider the patriots it's not what everybody else projects as a fit for the patriots or a priority for the patriots it's what the board bill belichick remember when bill belichick in one of those football lives told ozzy newsome if there's one thing i can tell you about the draft trust the board trust your board and if they have a quarterback rated very highly that they want uh, before every, anybody else can get them. If it happens to be Mason Rudolph, a strong-arm guy from Oklahoma State, put up big numbers, um, you know, you wonder about his accuracy and whatnot, but uh, put up big, big numbers, maybe that's a guy that, that, that they could have their eyes on and maybe they draft him higher than everybody would expect. Yeah, yeah look, well, what's the one thing, Trags, that, that you would say about Bill Belichick? You know, the only thing that would be a surprise is if he doesn't do something to surprise us, right? right? So w- would it be absolutely off-the-board shocking if they took a quarterback in the first round? No. I, I think I could actually make the point that they could take any position in the first round, maybe outside of kicker, punter, and long snapper, even though we know how much Bill likes special teams, um, you know, and you could make a case for it. Let's tracks, you just break it down. You got Brady, who's going to be 41 August 3rd, and he's playing great, but, you know, you got to prepare for the future. And then you have Brian Hoyer, who's 32. They need another quarterback, and if they think they can get Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0 and he's available to them, there's no position as important as that, and you could make a case to go ahead and do that. So, what do you make, Mike, of the moves that they've made in the offseason um, to reload at the wide receiver position? Um, Jordan Matthews, Cordell Patterson, uh, obviously they trade away Brandon Cooks. They let Danny Amendola go in free agency. Um, and, and obviously we don't know exactly how Malcolm Mitchell is going to come back from his knee injury. And you wrote uh, this week, uh, this is a big year for him. I th- there's a lot to me that's sort of uncertain about their their wide receiver unit. Well, for sure. I mean, start with the trade of Cooks. That one was uh, one that few saw coming. Uh, they really liked him. And then you look at the economics, you try to extend his contract, and you look at what the receivers like, Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson, were getting on the open market, 15, 16, 17 million a year in that range. And you say, okay, we like Brandon Cooks, but we might like him closer to 11, 12, 13 million a year. So this is now we're going to have him for one more year and say, you know, it, we're not going to be in the market to re-sign him. 
So to get a team to give up a, a one for him, a 23rd overall pick like the Rams did, that's pretty really good value in return for Cooks. And so, well, I think they take a hit without him, because I, I thought he was very good for them last year. Was it perfect? No. But I thought he had a very good year. Um, now you put in Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan coming back. Those are your two lock them in, you know what you have. And then, like you said, that's a lot of question marks. Yeah. Is it Philip you know, is it Philip Dorsett? You know, the speedy guy, does he emerge? Is it Cordero Patterson? Is he more of a gadget guy or can he actually be a bigger factor as a receiver? Don't forget about Kenny Britt. I mean, this is a guy that was a first round draft choice in you know, two thousand nine. He was a huge free agent signing last year for Cleveland as like a number one type guy. You know, he could emerge as a big target. Um, Jordan Matthews, you know, they, you mentioned him. You know, to me, looks like an inside receiver, almost like a move tight end. But they'll figure out the best place to put him. Maybe it's on the outside. Maybe it's on the inside. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Malcolm Mitchell, you mentioned him. Riley McCarron, slot guy on the practice squad. Maybe he emerges. Cody Hollister, he was on the practice squad. Trex, did I get them all? Oh, I mean, my God. So- I, and, you know, and, and you probably don't even have the depth chart in front of you. That That's just amazing, Mike. You're able to rattle those off. I'm impl- they, that, that's going to be a good competition, Drags, at that position. Yeah, I absolutely. like it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the one thing I would say on that is, you know, last year it looked like they had a lot of depth at receiver, and then Andrew Hawkins retired, um, you know, and all of a sudden your depth maybe isn't as good as you thought it was. Um, you know, Edelman goes down, and so... Sometimes I love this point that Bill Belichick makes. You know, depth in you know February and March can look a lot different than July and August. That can look a lot different than November and December. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Something tells me though that some of those guys are going to emerge, and whether it's Mitchell, who's shown he can do it if he's healthy, um, or you know, look, don't forget I mentioned Britt was a first-round pick. So was Dorsett. So was Patterson. These guys have some unique traits. Let's see how they fit in the system. Well, the the other thing, Mike, and you know this, Bill loves to get show-me guys. Guys with something to prove, trying to get a new contract, bring them into New England and let them work, first of all, work with a great quarterback. Obviously, you know, I think you wrote that uh, Jordan Matthews, one of the reasons he came to New England is because he wanted to play with Tom Brady, right? I mean, that was a big part of it. That's right. And uh, certainly when, when Bill brings these guys in, and, and you know certainly let's consider Nick Casario and Josh McDaniels, they have a, a say in this as well. When they bring these players in, it's with something to prove. That's right. That's exactly right. Look at Jordan Matthews' contract. One year, one million. Yeah, you I know, was. I, and the way you yeah. broke it down, not to cut you off, Mike, but the way you yeah. broke it down, I'm like, wow, those are, I don't want to say poor man's numbers, but you know where I'm going with this. Those are numbers. Yeah. You wouldn't expect for like an NFL starting slot receiver, somebody who might compete for, um, you know, a starting spot on the Patriots' offense. That's right, and and but it's I think it's a smart play by him because he's looking at it and saying, okay, I came into the league as a second round pick of the Eagles in 2014, right. had quite a bit of production early in my career, got traded to Buffalo where there was no quarterback and no real innovative offense, Treggs, if you're a receiver, you rely on really, you know, being part of a a system with a quarterback. 
to help you be productive. You know what I mean? And if you don't have it, you see what life is like. And after living that last year in Buffalo, like, and this no disrespect to Buffalo, but you go from that offense with Tyrod Taylor to this offense with Tom Brady, like, he's got a great chance to increase his value, hit the market again next year, and get a much bigger payday. So I, I think that's a smart play by him. Okay, uh, I, I lied, Mike. I said we were done talking Brady, Gronk, and Belichick. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to wrap it up on this. Does Tom Brady, do Tom Brady and Robert Kraft get together and rework his deal before the season? You know, good good question, Trags. I don't know. I, I really, I don't know the answer, and I honestly don't know how important that is. You know, I look at it and say, um, you know, the times he's extended his contract, I, you know, usually it's been with two years out, right? At the same time, you know, this guy's going to be 41 years old. And so uh, we just talked earlier in this chat that it's a year-to-year situation. So it's not like the Patriots need the cap space right now. they got plenty of cap space. Our friend Miguel Benzon, who does yes. a great job with the cap, keeps us updated on a daily basis with the cap. So, I mean, part of the reason they would do that would be to create the cap space. Right, so they're in good shape there. I mean, maybe if they felt like Tom deserved more, or Tom felt like he wanted more, maybe that's a reason to do it. But if he's fine with the deal, and you know, usually he is, because his whole thing is, you know, I just want to be paid fairly and put the best team around me. Assuming that hasn't changed, like I'm not, maybe I'm naive on this track. I just don't even know if it's a big deal whether they do it or not. Like. They get two years left, and if we just said we're year to year, you know, maybe 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 this is the time where you say, yeah, in the past we've done it with two years remaining, but we don't need to do that now because we're at a different stage of Tom's career, and the team doesn't necessarily have any urgency to do it because it doesn't need the cap space. Right, and I just think that um, you're right on the money, Mike. That if neither side feels the urgency to do it then i think it's status quo and maybe uh it gets addressed after the 2018 season i think there are so many balls up in the air right now that perhaps all sides want to see how things play out maybe tom wants to see how bill bill's situation plays out maybe uh robert Kraft wants to see you know how the coaching situation uh turns out on the field and how people respond off the field after you know so much reported tumult uh this year i i think it's you know one of those things where maybe it's just good to take a step back and let things play out and i can see where you're saying that maybe all sides involved happen to do that mike uh i want to thank you very much once again for joining us how can people follow you well tregs i I would say uh espn.com there's a patriots page try to fill it up with some good stuff whenever we can and then on the social media side on twitter it's just my name mike reese r-e-i-s-s you are the best mike very Jags, much appreciate you are too it. hey best to you best to your family i can't believe you have a daughter getting ready to go uh, to college unbelievable tregs off Great to, stuff. yeah off to the land of big ben ben roethlisberger is where fantastic. i fantastic yeah it's going to be a very very exciting time uh, in the petralia 
household. The all-new CLNS Media website is launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and also over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. That's clnsmedia.com. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our terrific guest, the one and only Mike Reese from ESPNBoston.com. Obviously, follow him on Twitter, as he just mentioned, at Mike Reese. You can also give us a follow at Patriots CLNS and at CLNS Media. Also give my own personal account a follow, if you will. An updated avatar, as a matter of fact, paying respect to Bubba Ventrone and mine, alma mater, the national champion Villanova Wildcats. I just thought I'd throw that in, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, 4hims.com. For Patriots content manager Michael Angie, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. 